friends. How are you this morning? Uh, We are in Acts chapter 22 today. I made the promise that we would complete uh, the book of Acts by the end of next week, and we are on schedule to do so. So uh, I'm uh, uh, delighted to be able to spend a little bit of time with you this morning. Um, I've been having a little bit of an eye issue lately, so if you notice a lot of blinking, I've got... I've got some little stuff here called blink tears, just dry eyes for some reason. And uh, so I I may have to pause partway through to put a few drops in. I just did that before the broadcast. I've been having a little issue with that in the mornings here in the last week or so. So um, just letting you know, in fact, right now I need to give a little rub to the eyes. Uh, there. 
Sorry about that, folks. Uh, Acts chapter 22. I could have done that when I was in the Bible verses, I guess, but uh, you might see me blinking and wonder what's going on. So that's what it is. Uh, Some of you might think I'm winking at you or something. Acts chapter 22. We're looking at testimonies this morning. Brothers and esteemed fathers, Paul said, this is in Jerusalem. Listen to me as I offer my defense. Uh, When they heard him speaking in their own language, the silence was even greater because Paul was multilingual. Um, It says, then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, Uh, And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As a student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. Now, there is a sister passage, uh, another place where where Paul kind of gives his pedigree, if you will. Uh, And I'm going to take us there and... uh, show you what he had to say about himself in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 4, last part of the verse, he said, If others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That that is the day in which uh, Jewish males were to be circumcised, the eighth day. Couldn't be the seventh day, that's the day of rest. Uh, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, uh, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. Uh, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so I was so zealous that I harshly harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I mean, he is stating that, look, he has every right to be able to boast in his heritage. The Jewish people whom he is uh, addressing in Acts chapter 22, uh, that was their great concern. Okay, are you really a Jew? Uh, What's the level of your training? What's the level of your knowledge? What's the level of your skills? What's the level of your obedience? What what laws do you practice? All these things. And here in Philippians 3, Paul writes about these things because he's wanting to silence the Jewish critics say, who would say, well, you didn't measure up in the first place. Some of them were, were not fully Jew, and he was fully a Jew. He was mother, father, both Jewish uh, he had that heritage, he had that lineage, uh, and so he will appeal to that as is helpful for the defense of his message. And that's what he did over in Acts chapter 22, as he gives the defense of his message. And then he goes on and says, not only that, I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death. Now, I we're in the uh, New Living Translation here this morning says, arresting both men and women and throwing them in prison. Uh, He was without uh, discrimination at all. If you were a man, if you were a woman, it didn't matter. If you were following the way, you were likely to be arrested. That's something that we don't face here in America much too often, is the idea of being arrested for being followers of the way. Now, I want to talk for just a moment about that, that 
heading in verse four, followers of the way. Um, there are different ways of understanding Christianity. Uh, Jesus was called the way, the truth, the life. And so he began and his followers began to be known as he was the way. They were the followers of the way. Um, we are followers of the way. And sometimes you will hear me talk about the Jesus way. I think as Christians, we always have to ask ourselves, what is the Jesus way? How would he uh, conduct himself? Uh, how would he um, act? What would his attitudes be? Friends, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, as a follower of the way, we are called to be like Jesus. Now, I know some Christians who would say, well, I'm just a Christian. I get to be who I am and have my own unique identity, blah, 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 blah. Steve isn't there. Uh, and uh, there is a modicum of truth that, yes, God has given us each unique giftings, unique wirings, unique interests, unique talents, unique abilities, unique experiences, unique education, unique upbringing. All these things are unique. Uh, and, and we are to be diverse in that way. But yet in that diversity, we are to conduct ourselves as would Jesus conduct himself. We are to be imitators of Jesus. We are to be imitators of the way. And so sometimes of late, I have talked about living in the Jesus way or, or following the Jesus way. And that's exactly what I mean. There is what is broadly considered the Christian way or the conservative way. Friends, I want to say this. Conservatism isn't necessarily Christian, nor is liberalism necessarily anti-Christian? We need to evaluate everything, whether it's conservative or liberal, uh, according to American political ideologies by the scriptures and by the way of Jesus. Uh, and what, what tends to happen, what I see most Christians do, is they align themselves either liberal or, or conservative, friends, we're not to align ourselves either direction. We're to align ourselves with Jesus. And if that leads us to a conservative, and the reason I say conservative, I'm not saying we shouldn't be conservative, but sometimes we misplace conservatism for Christianity. They are not the same thing. Uh, there are vestiges, there, there are aspects of conservatism that are rooted in Christianity, but then sometimes conservatives become bombastic, rude, um, and many other things that are not the way of Jesus. And I, I think we need to evaluate that. Sometimes those on the liberal side do the same thing. Uh, and both on, on the edges perhaps go way further than Jesus. But there are things about liberalism that I think align with the ways of Jesus, the care for the poor, the way they take care of the poor. Uh to a certain measure. I'm not talking socialism, but I am talking about caring for the poor. Uh, we have responsibility for that. Uh, and so there are certain aspects of things that would maybe be labeled as liberal that actually might be the way of Jesus. We as Christians need to evaluate our thoughts, our actions, our attitudes along the way, Jesus' way. What would Jesus' way be? So the followers of the way he's talking about here in verse in verse four, 
uh, and for us to think about uh, being followers of the way. Could you say that you're a follower of the way? I, I know people who could say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but are you a follower of the way? There's a difference, I think. Sadly, there's a difference. And what I mean by that is there are many people who are not afraid to wear the moniker Christian, but might be afraid to make the literal application to life and live in the way, to live life in the Jesus way, as we are called to do. Now, Paul goes on. He's giving his testimony here. Let's continue. He's, he's giving his defense in front of the Jewish people. Uh, and Acts 22.5 says, The high priest, the whole crowd of the elders can testify that this is so, for I actually received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. I mean, they actually gave, and unless they're going to lie, and this is one of the problems that we see today, there is so much lying that takes place in politics. Um, lying about uh, who had cocaine in the White House. I think that's likely, likely lying going on. I think both sides uh, are liars, actually. Now, I, I'm talking too much about politics this morning, but... It's a human thing, and even the high priest would have lied. Even the priest may have lied and said, well, we, we don't recall. Uh, they, they would make light of it. They would make soft. We, we don't recall that. Uh, it's not in our memory. That was, you know, one of the things that uh, the Clintons were, were known for, perhaps, was I, I don't remember. I don't recall that. Um, again, not trying to be political here this morning, but the high priest, the priest, the people, they would stir things up, built upon a, uh, a foundation of lies. We're not quite there yet. Paul is still giving his testimony. Uh, verse 6, he gets into now his testimony. Let me move that up on the screen. He said, as I was on the road approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. This is uh, rehearsing what was recorded back in Acts chapter 9. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, the one you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything you're to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by the hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. At that very moment, I could see him. Then he told me, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear him speak. For you are to be his witness, telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. So after I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. And I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, hurry. 
Leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me, which was true. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, a couple things come out here. One thing I want to highlight is being ready to give our testimony. Every single one of us should be prepared, if you're a Christian, to tell somebody how you came to faith in Christ. Now, you may have grown up in the church, and because you grew up in the church, maybe you don't have one of these you know, really radical testimonials. That's okay. Nothing wrong with that. That's perfectly okay. Uh, but you need to be able to tell how the grace of God reached even you. Now, I have a more radical testimony, but every one of us needs to be able to figure out how to share our, our testimony in such a way that we can point people to Jesus. It doesn't need to be a dry, crusty uh, testimony. Not at all. It, it, it can no, no matter whether you grew up in the church and trusted in Christ in an early age, you can point to the wonders of all that Christ has done and, and the wonders of salvation in Christ and, and to all that he's made you and, and the, these, these wonderful transactions that have taken place. You can make your testimony winsome because it is winsome. You don't have to make it that. It, it is that. But then there are those who came to faith later in Christ or maybe those who, who fell away from Christ and, and have come back to Christ. Friends, we need to rehearse, to know, to be ready to share on a dime our testimony with other people. Uh, that, that's, that's part of the Jesus way. That's part of why we have been left here. We have been left here to communicate the gospel to other people. Are you able to do that? Write it down. Write it down three times. Write it down, down four. You ever seen a... a uh, in a movie, a person sitting and they're at the typewriter and they they type it out and they pull the piece of paper out. You remember typewriters, don't you? They had little keys like a computer keyboard, except the, the ink went up on paper. Um, that, that was a typewriter for those that may not remember. Um, and they would pull the piece of paper out or, or maybe in modern day, they'd hit print and go to the printer, look at it, and go, I don't like it, wad it up and then throw it away and start all over again. Do that. Do that as much as you need to do it. And maybe think of different angles of ways to share your testimony. As disciples and as disciple makers, we need to um, be prepared to tell people our story. And even the question, like Nell saying here in the comments, I'm going to start asking people to tell me their Jesus story. And I love that phrase, Jesus story. That is exactly what it is to tell others you know, what's your Jesus story? To ask people the question, do you know Jesus? Uh, I was yesterday walking through a store. I guess I was at Hannaford's late in the afternoon, 5 o'clock, 5.30, and there was a man in a mask. And, and I, I'm not, this isn't, again, not a political statement. But I saw a man in a mask, and I see some people wearing masks. And, and some, maybe they're putting them on because they've been sick. And it's, we've been indoctrinated to wear a mask if you've been sick so that you're not passing things to other people. He's wearing a mask, and I see some people who have a look of fear in their eyes, and and, and it's like, I'm going to wear the mask to protect myself because I want to live forever, and I, I felt like saying, sir, I perceive you're trying to, to uh, extend your life, 
I didn't do this. Maybe I should have. I didn't, I, you know, right there in Hannaford's, I could have said, I can tell you how to live forever. Uh, that, that's what I could have said to this man. But that was going through my mind about people, you know, they're doing everything they can to extend their life, but yet they'll reject Christ. We need to be prepared to share the testimony. We need to figure out ways and inroads of being able to make Christ known to other people. Paul gave his testimony here. But the other thing that I want to pull out of this little section was that Paul was redirected. Paul had his logic, and oftentimes we have our logic. We think, well, you know, this just makes sense. This is what I should do. Sometimes God will lead us in a way that goes against our reasoning. Sometimes we're not that smart, folks. Um, I wasn't going to say sometimes we're not that smart. I was going to actually say sometimes God redirects and has a different direction for us to go that, that, that just might not make sense to us. We would think, but Lord, a better plan would be, again, we're not that smart. God knows what he's doing, and if he directs you somewhere or redirects you somewhere, you just need to be ready to say, yes, Lord. And that's exactly what Paul had to do. Now, we, we read in the text here, Paul had a little bit of, you know, but but Lord, let me, Lord, let, let me, let me tell you about this, Lord. Uh, here are my thoughts on this, Lord. What I think, Lord, is, and the fact of the matter is, God had a plan for, for Paul, and Paul had to go the direction that he was sent. Now, let, let's continue back down into the, uh, uh, into the text here. It says, the crowd listened. The crowd listened until Paul said that word, and they all began to shout, away with such a fellow, he isn't fit to live. I mean, sometimes Christians can be like that. Now, this is the Jews. They're saying, you can't talk about those people. They don't fit with us. It's kind of like, it, it's kind of like the, uh, the Jesus Revolution movie. All the hippies and the Christians didn't want to accept them into their church, and uh, and yet it create it did create a movement. Now some would say, you know, and I've watched some pastors and preachers castigate it. Makes me want to vomit when they do that, honestly, uh, because many lives were changed. We think if they're not changed the way we think they ought to be changed, it doesn't count. Wait a minute. God's in the life-changing business, and he changes lives in many ways. Now, the gospel is always the gospel. The truth of Jesus is always the truth of Jesus. Salvation comes by no other name, the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that there are other paths. What I am saying, though, is God may have to work with different people in different ways uh, to get them to the point of the cross, to get them to the point, point of surrender to Christ. And He'll work with the hippies, and he'll work with the prostitutes, and he'll work with the he'll work with the the, the up and comers, and he'll work with the late bloomers, and uh, he'll he'll work with the drunk, and he'll work with the infidel, and he'll work with whatever word you want to throw in there. God will work with those people. It's true, but they thought, no, that's not the way. Jesus, the Messiah, is only for the Jews. And so verse 22 says, they began to shout, away with such a fellow, he isn't fit 
to live. Now, let me go back over into the comments for just a second because I, I do see a comment there. There are many people in my church that I have never heard their Jesus story. If I ask them to tell their Jesus story to me, it would be a good way for us to practice telling it to others. Bingo! <laughs> You're exactly right, Nell. And as I have said numerous times in the life of Veracity Chapel, if we can't talk to each other inside these walls, we better not be thinking we're going to be able to talk to people outside these walls. I wholeheartedly agree. And sometimes people say, but, but Pastor Jim, you're pushing on us too much. You're making it too difficult. You're grow up there, said it. We need to grow up and, and, and stop making excuses for ourselves, especially in the life of the congregation. When we're gathered, we need to be able to share each other's testimonies. You, you are exactly right. There you go. There, there, there's, there's a month of Sundays for you right there. Getting people lined up to share their testimonies. That is the sermon. If you challenge everybody to, to share some scripture with their testimony, that's the sermon. You know, you're worried about, uh, you know, who's going to preach? Well, maybe lots of people need to be preaching and sharing their testimonies. Just throwing that out there. Just an idea. Jacob will probably listen to this, maybe. And uh, there are things we need to do. We got to stop doing church the same way all the time and getting the same results. We need to ask, Lord, what do you want us to do differently so that we can have exceptional fruitfulness for the kingdom? That's the question we need to be asking. And uh, anyway, I'm preaching this morning. Sorry about that. Back into the text here. Uh, verse 22 said he's not fit to live. They yelled, they threw off their coats, they tossed handfuls of dust in the air. I mean, that's their way of uh, of showing rebellion. And the commander brought Paul inside and ordered him to be lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. And they tied Paul down to lash him. Paul said to the officer standing there, is it illegal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't yet been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, what are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, but I am a citizen by birth, which, which was a more noble thing. Um. I mean, you, you could buy your way into becoming a Roman citizen. Paul didn't buy his way in. He was Jewish, yes, but his family were Roman citizens. And so by birth, he was a Roman citizen. And uh, hang on just a second. Sorry, I had to step away from the computer for, for just a moment here. Um, so Paul was was a citizen, and um, I think I left my microphone on that whole thing. He was about to knock over our big fan here because he's trying to move the gate. Let me get back to it. Um, Paul had rights. Now, uh, we have rights, too. 
in America we have rights. We might have more rights here in America than, than you than our friends in India. Uh, and sometimes I see Christians being more concerned about their rights than with righteousness. Uh, I, I see some Christians being more concerned about their rights than surrender to Christ. I, I see more. And so in their demand to have their rights, they lose their godliness. They no longer live in the Jesus way, in the way they conduct themselves. Um, and and that's something that, that to me is, is troubling, uh, concerning to me to, to see sometimes Christians uh, acting uh, in that way. We're, we're called first to obedience to Christ. Uh, now, but I also want to draw out of just this this thought. But when we have rights, we need to know how to take our rights to heart. And that's something that comes out here in this passage. We have certain rights religiously here in America. We need to live in those rights. We need to try to um, maintain those rights, to not lose those rights. Paul is appealing to rights. Uh, we can appeal to our rights, and we should. Now, it says this. As the Roman, the Roman soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen, and the commander was frightened because he'd ordered him bound and whipped. Now, it does not say in the text that Paul was yet whipped, but they were on the cusp of doing something that could have gotten them in deep weeds, in deep doo-doo, in deep trouble uh, with their command. Verse 30 says, the next day the commander ordered the leading priest into a ses session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble is all about. So he released Paul. So he released Paul to have him stand before them. Now we'll pick up there next week and see what takes place, see what, what happens in this. Paul had rights. He appealed to his rights. He should have appealed to his rights. He did appeal to his rights. It was proper and fitting for him to do so. For us, it is proper and fitting for us to do so, so long as we don't lose our righteousness and our godliness and our testimony. Uh, I'll give you an example, uh, and I won't say the words, but I drove by the home, and this would have been back oh, at the last election cycle, and, and I saw Christians. Now, I'm not saying that I'm highly offended by this particular word, okay? I, I'm not. However, when you put it on a banner and hang it off the side of your house or off the side of your deck or off the side of your garage, and, and it, it's advertising for a particular candidate, and it says, no more BS, and it doesn't say BS, it says the words, I think we lose some testimony in that, personally. Um, I, I, to me, it, it calls into question... Uh, how concerned are you for your, are you more concerned for your witness or more concerned for your rights? I think our witness needs to come first and our rights need to come second. Uh, I, I think the things of God need to come first and, and, and our rights need to come second. I'm not saying we shouldn't seek to defend our rights, but what I am saying is we need to make sure we do it in a godly way. So in this, in this broadcast morning, we've covered, every, covered everything from our testimony to uh, maintaining our rights in a godly way. Yeah. And sometimes we, we, we'll, we'll fly off the handle or say something we shouldn't say. Lord, help us to not do that. Help us to live 
and to be witnesses of Jesus. Help us to practice and rehearse and know our testimony. Help us to be ready to give our testimony in season and out of season. Help us to think about how to share our testimony from different angles. Lord, help us to make you known. May people see Jesus in us. Even as we defend our rights, may people see Jesus in us. Lord, that's our prayer. We want to glorify you in our lives, in our homes, in our churches, in our community. Lord, be glorified. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, that's a wrap for today. We'll see you either over the weekend or we will see you on Monday. Have a great day or a great weekend.